0: I'm James Gardner, host of Your History, Your Story, a podcast for everybody who loves stories about interesting people and events told by those who uncovered them from within their own family trees. This, we hope, will inspire you to discover and celebrate your history and your story. Halloween is almost here. It is time to put on our sweatshirts, admire the multicolored leaves falling from the trees, and spy the array of skeletons orange lights, and jack-o'-lanterns adorning our neighborhoods. It's also the best time of year to settle in on a chilly evening with a glass of hot cider and a bowl of popcorn to watch a scary movie starring the classic horror movie icon Vincent Price. Vincent, who died in 1993 at the age of 82, was well known for his roles in horror films, yet his brilliant and successful six-decade career also included classic movies of other genres, and roles on stage, television, and radio. Vincent was also known for doing voiceover work, which included Michael Jackson's hit, Thriller. In this episode of Your History, Your Story, we'll be speaking with Vincent's grandson, Jody Price. Jody will share stories about his grandfather's life, acting career, his passion for art, art history, and cooking. He will also share that in contrast to the many villainous characters his grandfather portrayed, he was a kind and compassionate man with a generous spirit. I'd now like to welcome Jody Price to our show. Welcome, Jody. How are you doing, Jim? It's great to have you on the show. I've been really looking forward to talking to you about Vincent Price. So here we go. You ready?
1: That's rock and roll, my friend. I'm, I'm looking forward to this, too. And by the way, before we start. Thank you so much, man. This is, um, this is my pleasure as well doing this. So thank you.
0: Oh, terrific. Jody, how exactly are you related to the famous Vincent Price? Uh, uh, he is my grandfather on my dad's side. Okay. And I understand that you have other famous people and talented people in your family tree. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I, I come from a, a pretty long line on my dad's side of entertainers. So, of course, Vincent, his first wife, my grandmother, was also a Broadway actress. Um, she did a couple of movies. She did a couple of TV shows with Alfred Hitchcock on Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Her name was Edith Barrett. For a while, on the, you know, she was at the same kind of level that Helen Hayes was on Broadway back in the 30s. Uh, She just didn't translate well to film for whatever reason. And then uh, going further back, her great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, was a gentleman named Lawrence Barrett, who was very close to the great actor Edwin Booth. And they both started one of the the, uh, more famous and,
0: and exclusive clubs in Manhattan called the Players Club. Really? Now, Edwin Booth was the brother of John Wilkes Booth, right? Yep. Yep. yep,
1: but Ed, uh, Edwin Booth was the, and I think, or my great great grandfather was as well. Were two of the great Shakespearean actors of the uh, the mid eighteen hundreds. So there's a long line of um, of entertainers, and my dad, while he's not an actor, is a, a poet and a journalist, and you know he's written one novel. Uh, he's a teacher, and he's I think he's produced maybe fifteen twenty. Um, collections of poems, one fiction, and a ton of nonfiction books, as well as being a professor. I used to
0: be a professor at uh, University of New Mexico. Wow, well, you got a lot of talent in your DNA. Now, you so your dad's mother was Edith Barrett, and his father was Vincent Price, who we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, this is cool. Amazing how that
1: happens, right?
0: <laughs> definitely. So, so, Jody, let's talk about growing up as Vincent Price's grandson. When did you First realized that your grandfather was somebody famous.
1: You know, it's funny because you you had made me think about that, and the first time I can really remember it, and I remember where I was, or where I was living, and what I was doing, which is even weirder, right? So, first time I really understood, I was probably five and a half, maybe six. We had just moved back to Santa Fe, New Mexico, living. uh, You know, rented a house on East Palace Ave. I remember my mom telling me, because we were watching him on TV, and then, you know, a couple of months later after Christmas, I must have been six, having to send him a thank you card for sending us a Christmas gift. And that was when it sort of clicked that this was my grandfather. And I, I probably, you know, I probably sort of knew it maybe slightly earlier, because I remember watching Batman, and he was egghead on Batman. <laughs>
0: I love Batman. And,
1: Oh yeah, me too. Right. So, you know, there, there's a, but, but so the first time I really remember making the connection that he wasn't a cartoon character, because that's what he was on Batman. Right. If you think about it, but that it
0: was a real person was uh, 1968. And when we were living in New Mexico. Okay. So when you found out that uh, Vincent Price was your grandfather, did you talk to your friends about it? Cause I know I'm I'm close in age to you and all of us knew who Vincent Price was. I mean, he was in so many movies. Did you talk to your friends about it? Did you think it was something cool that you wanted to tell your friends?
1: My parents got divorced when I was really young, but they both sort of impressed on me that it's not something you really talk too much about. because Some people would think of it as bragging. Some people would might take it as being, you know, trying to get attention. Um, I didn't hide it. And to be quite frank, Jim, and to this day, it still falls under this. It is one of the great party favors in fifteen minutes of fame that anybody can have. Is <laughs> having a famous, especially somebody as beloved. And I really, that really is the right word. As my grandfather, everybody loved him. Everyone you know, who met him, probably except for his two ex-wives, but that's a different story. right um so it wasn't something i necessarily spoke about on purpose but it wasn't something i ever hid and i actually found as i grew up in life is that other people had more fun telling people about it than i did
0: (laughs) okay yeah no i get you there as a matter of fact next party i go to i'm gonna say that i know the grandson of vincent Price. (laughs)
1: Right. That's how we started talking is because we have a mutual friend who brought that up. I also had a boss. But I don't know if I don't know if Charlie knew, but um, he to this day, you know, whenever we get together, you know, and he there's somebody there's a mutual friend that he doesn't think knows he'll bring it up. Right. I won't, but he will.
0: <laughs> I'm glad he did bring it up because we wouldn't be talking right now. Yeah, me as well, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So how often did you see? your grandfather? Did you speak to him on the phone? Did you get to see him in person much? How close were you in that way? Um, not as close as I would have liked.
1: Uh, we lived on different coasts, you know, and my grandparents on my mom's side were very protective of, of me and my brother. But with that said, we, we did talk once in a while. Uh, I have some really wonderful memories seeing him and getting to know him uh, my brother knew him a little bit better because my brother went to college in, at UNM, University of New Mexico, where my dad was teaching, so Vincent would come out to visit, and Vincent's daughter was doing her master's at UNM uh, at the same time, or, you know, at the, close to the end of that when my brother was here, so he, had, he, he knew him a little bit better, but um, the times, I, I, I can't say that I was horribly close, but the memories I have are really pretty special to me at least you know um and again it's the more i've talked to people about their memories of meeting vincent sort of accentuates me getting to know him better yeah right and like i said i've never had anybody ever say a even a slightly negative thing about my grandfather. So that that's really cool. So you know, you know, a couple of stories about when Vincent and I actually did get together. Three stories. I'll keep going. If you let me keep going, I'll keep going, forward. keep going. I right, love right. It. <laughs> so so one was um this was before I graduated high school. So I had to been like 78. He was doing a one-man play called Diversions and Delights. And it was uh him becoming Oscar Wilde. Hmm. And it was spectacular, right? And I don't, I think there's one video of it someplace that somebody, but, it, you know, this was really before the time when people, you know, recorded stuff. But I remember seeing the performance and then me and my brother going backstage and we were old enough. We were, you know, in our, our mid teens So 15, 16, 16, 17, somewhere in that age range. And watching him turn from Oscar Wilde to Vincent Price and to grandpa, right? was just one of those really amazing experiences because he was the consummate actor. You know, he, uh, he loved it. You know, he loved entertaining people. He loved who he was. Watching the transformation. And my aunt has a story, uh, Victoria, about her mom, uh, Vincent's second wife, went to take her to see him in Peter Pan. And she was just terrified because he had a hook on his arm for a hand. (laughs) And, you know, when they went backstage, it took her a while to realize that it wasn't Captain Hook, but it was her dad.
0: Okay. Uh, Right. Not convincing. Uh,
1: Right. But he was just, he became the part. I I think that's the best way of putting it. So that's one, you know, another one is, um, and they did this without telling me, although I knew about it by the end is that he spoke at my high school graduation. Uh, he was the commencement speaker. And, this, uh, and um, what I loved about it, one was that to this day, I get people going, I still tell people that Vincent Price was our high school graduation speaker, right? And I, can't, I couldn't tell you, excuse my French, uh, I couldn't tell you a damn thing that he said. I have one photo of him handing me my diploma, but you see him and then the back of my head. But
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope your hair was done right. Well, yeah, right. That, that's how I know it was me right now. <laughs> you know, but that was, was, you know, the fact that he, he flew out to New Jersey from Hollywood to do that for me, because that's really what, you know, and if, you know, of course he did it for the school. But I don't think he would have done it if it wasn't the fact that his grandson was there.
0: What a good memory to have. And, and also your classmates, boy, you were, you were really famous after that. Too bad you were graduating. Huh?
1: <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty, it was a pretty wonderful day from what I remember, you know? And and again, you know, by that time, we were talking earlier about being close or not. The other reason why I wasn't that close was that his third wife really didn't like family so she really shielded him from me and my brother and even tried to shield him from his daughter and son what vincent would do is he would find reasons to come out to new mexico to visit for some reason so you know the only time my wife ever met my grandfather we went out to dinner it was over christmas uh this had to have been 1980. 1985, because we were not married yet. And we went to a nice restaurant in, in Old Town Albuquerque. You know, there are a couple of things I remember about it. One, just having this whole family together, which I don't remember ever really doing that before. So my aunt was there, my grandfather, my dad, my stepmom, my wife, my brother, his girlfriend at the time. His girlfriend's family was there, right? But uh, Vincent... You know, of course, when you walk, when he walks in, everybody knows who it is, right? So first thing he says to the entire staff said, look, let me have a nice dinner with my family. And then I will sign autographs, take pictures, whatever you want, right? And he laid it out there up front. Very matter of fact, didn't, right? Everybody went through all that afterwards. He turned into Vincent Price, the actor again, and did everything he said he was going to. So he... He signed autographs, he took photos with all the the staff of the restaurant and didn't turn anybody away. He just wanted to make
0: sure he had dinner with his family first. That's nice. You hear certain times where famous people are either, I guess they're absorbed in signing the autographs and doing all that so that they're ignoring whoever they're with. But then on the other side of the coin, it could be they're... Ignoring the fans who, are, who in effect, are making their career what it is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's interesting that you had that memory. I, I'm sure everybody had a good time that night. I bet. So the the uh, the other part of that memory is um, uh, there were a couple of people in the party who had never. Do, do you know what flan is as a dessert? Yes, I've heard of it. I've heard of flan. Yeah, yes, it's, it's,
1: it's sort of like a custard, right? I, yeah. I I don't.
0: Sounds good, actually. I don't know.
1: Yeah, not my favorite thing, right? But. I think, I think Amy, my wife had never had it before. And, and Vincent was like, flan, you've never had flan, flan for everyone. And he was just like, he came alive. My wife to this day is still like, that's her story. And it's, you know, it's just ingrained into my head.
0: <laughs> okay. Now I got to ask you this question. Did your wife like the flan? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> hey, did he pick up the check? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. You know, because you know, everyone else, you know, we were either all poor college students or just getting into the works. My brother was still in college. His daughter, my aunt was still in was in graduate school. My dad was a journalist, you know, not, not making a ton of money at that particular time. And
0: so yeah, I'm pretty sure he picked up the check. <laughs> yeah, nice memory. Do you remember the last time that you actually saw your grandfather, Jody? Um, I remember the last time I talked to him. He was tough
1: because we, you know, and again, talking about family interactions, his third wife, Coral, wonderful actress in her own right, really wanted him to herself. Mm. So even calling him was tough sometimes. I finally... It was one time I called, and I think she slipped up and and let him actually answer the phone. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it, it, it wasn't necessarily a close relationship that Vincent and I had. It was a good one, and I think, how do I put this? I would hope that he, you know, if you believe that he's looking down on us, that he would be proud of who his grandchildren became. You know, um, I don't, I don't ever want to say that he is, because that means you know, that I think that I'm pretty good. And I don't think that I'm not, that's just not part of, you know, my general personality. But I would hope that um, I've done enough things that he would be looking down and
0: going, you know, this is good. Well, I bet he is. So let's talk about your uh, view of Vincent Price as an actor, we talked about movies. You saw them in that one, uh, one scenario about Oscar Wilde, right? In that performance, we talked about Captain Hook and Peter Pan. What movies did you watch as a kid or even as, as an adult have you watched that particularly struck you as the most entertaining or the most impactful? So, so there's a few. Right. One, if you like, like,
1: you know, detective, the old film noir movies, uh, there's a movie called Laura, which I think was released in 44. And it's not a horror movie. And he's a supporting actor. I think it may have been the only movie besides the Ten Commandments that ever got nominated for an Academy Award. He didn't necessarily, but the movie did. And that's still my favorite Vincent Price movie of all time. Wonderful movie. So that was what I remember watching. So, yeah, but that was one. And then, you know, the other ones, going back to the original question, other movies that I loved. What was the Mike Myers movies with Dr. Evil? Oh, I know. i I'm, It escapes me right now. It'll, it'll come to me, right? But um, those movies, some of the inspiration they got for those movies came from two movies that my grandfather did one called Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machines. And another one called Doctor. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. You're kidding me. those are Vincent Price movies. Those are P- Vincent Price movies and Austin Powers. That's who the, uh, the the other movies were right? So but if you if you watch if you watch those two movies and you watch the Austin Powers movies, you can see where Mike Myers got
0: some of the influences, right? Uh, and that you knew he knew those movies. So Jody, I have to mention my favorite movie. I hope you don't mind. Uh, you've been telling us about yours. My favorite Vincent Price movie is House on Haunted Hill. And for a reason, years ago, when I was very little. My brother's uh, six and a half years older than I am. So he he was allowed to babysit me and he would let me stay up late, at least until my parents pulled up the driveway. And then I had to run up the stairs into bed. Ah. And we would sit and watch old movies and scary movies on our black and white TV. And the first time I watched House on Haunted Hill with my brother, it terrified me. And of course, your grandfather, you know, he has this group of people over to this creepy house and all these creepy things happen. And there's a skeleton in it that is walking around. And it, I mean, it had everything to terrify a six or seven-year-old kid. <laughs> and I loved it. And that's why I, I knew Vincent Price, even as a little kid, that they were great movies. He was going to be in, but that's still a pretty popular movie. A lot of people know that movie when you mention it. That, and I know he was in the Fly, which was another big one for him. He actually wasn't one of the stars of the original movie. He was sort of a supporting actor, and it sort of became
1: bigger his role or how people remembered it, it. Sort of became bigger over time because people always refer to that movie as Vincent Price movie. You Uh, mean the House on Haunted Hill movie? No, no, The the Fly. The Fly, right? Ah. Uh, House on Haunted Hill was most definitely a Vincent movie. But The Fly really wasn't from what I remember. Over history, it has become a Vincent Price movie. It has. Uh, But yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you. I I love House on Haunted Hill. It's a
0: great movie. There's one scene in it. uh, Spoiler alert, I guess, here is that the woman, uh, the actress, who's uh, one of the women who's in the house and she's looking in this dark closet. All of a sudden she turns around and there's this old woman sort of with her hands out like talons. She's got yep. this <laughs> horrifying look on <laughs> her face. And, oh my gosh. You just jumped through the ceiling <laughs> to see that. And, uh, and Vincent Price is, he's pulling all the strings there, shall we say? <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: That That's a great one. Thank you for bringing that one up. That is, a. Uh, That is a wonderful, wonderful movie. Yes, we own it. Okay. (laughs) Not the rights to it.
0: Just (laughs) have a copy of it.
1: Did you ever see the other William Castle movie he
0: was in, The Tingler? Oh, no. Tell us about that, because you told me about that before, and there were some special effects that they used in the theater, weren't there? Yeah, and they did it with uh, House on Haunted Hill too, right? Um, So William Castle was
1: a director, and he really... Liked special effects, let's put it that way, right? So for House on Haunted Hill, what he did for some movie theaters, he literally had a skeleton and was a scene in the, in, in the movie where a skeleton rises from the acid pit and comes towards the screen, right? So in the theaters, they had a skeleton coming through the screen into the audience, oh, right? So that was House on Haunted Hill for the Tingler. By the way, the Tingler's worth, it's so campy, it's worth seeing, right? For the Tingler, what they had done is taken some theaters and they had wired up the seats to give slight electric shocks. And the whole thing about the Tingler was that this creature that grew in your spine when you were scared. So the whole idea in the theater was that every once in a while and you didn't expect it, the chairs would shake or would you get a little bit of a shock to scare you. I think they had some theaters where, where there was a Tingler puppet that came out into the audience and I could be wrong about that or maybe so they put something on the floor to make it feel like there was wow um, but William Castle loved doing those kinds of things so and Vincent loved the technology the new technologies in movies one of the first horror movies he really did and sort of um, set him up as a horror movie actor was House of Wax and House of Wax was one of the first 3D movies. And he loved that. You know, I think there's reason why he took the job. Damn, that was just really exciting and interesting. Cutting edge, right? Yeah, for back then. Yeah, because what, that was House of Wax was 53, I believe.
0: Oh, the 50s. Yeah, and they loved the 3D stuff back in the 50s. You see those people sitting in the audience with their 3D glasses on and everything like that. But- I want to talk about the Tingler for a second. Okay. Uh, so You got a Tingler puppet, right? Got to have a Tingler puppet. And then you have theater seats that are wired with electricity. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> what if you spilled, that your, is- you spilled your lemonade on your seat? You'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a
1: low-level buzzer, right? But um just the idea of it, like you go to a movie... And there was a term that William Castle used, and I can't remember what it was, for the theaters that were set up. You know, the Tingler in something, you know, it was like, uh, you know, old movies, you know, uh, in Technicolor. There was something else that I believe he used for uh, the Tingler. Um, but, you know, that must have been pretty fun for the people who had gone, right? And so back in the 50s, movies would run for weeks, right? It wasn't like today where you know, if a, you know in a multiplex, if a movie doesn't sell out the first two nights, the next week there's a new movie there, right? You know, sometimes these movies ran for years. Uh, and I believe House of Wax was one of those that ran for a really long time. And if I have the story, right, Vincent was doing a show on Broadway, and either after a matinee or before or maybe he went to a matinee movie. He went to the Sea House of Wax, sat behind two teenage girls. And at the end of the movie, he reached over, put his hands on their two shoulders and goes, did you like that? In Vincent's voice. And from what I heard is that the two girls just like jumped up in their seats. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet. I bet popcorn everywhere, right? Yeah, right. You know, you see him on the screen and all of a sudden behind you, you know, here he is. Uh, you know, whispering in your ear at the end of the movie. <laughs>
0: what, a, what a great experience. Now, I want to ask you, Jody, we're talking a lot about his horror movies, the scary movies that he did. I want to talk about Vincent's life and how he ended up getting into scary movies. But I want to back up to where was Vincent born? I got to tell you, I always thought that he may have been born in England, that he had sort of this very posh, almost English accent voice. But I found out he was not born in England. He
1: was a St. Louis boy. Born in St. Louis, 1911. His family, grandmother's family were the entertainers. His family, let's see, his grandfather invented baking powder. Really? Right? Of all things. And then his dad ran at that time the largest candy company in the country called the national candy company that was out of st louis oh Um, i didn't know that yeah so that's just one of those really fun little things um so you know his background was you know his big thing was as a kid he was art that as growing up was his passion and and again you know sometimes sometimes my memory is it's called old age i think right (laughs) Uh, he bought his first painting on layaway i think it was a uh, it wasn't a picasso it was one of the um, impressionists but he literally saved his money and paid for it on layaway his first real painting he ever bought as part of his collection
0: he started off with art but he ended up in acting so how did he get involved in acting um, to,
1: to finish up the story, right? He um, sure. got his degree in, in art, not as a, as a painting, but like in art history from Yale. He went over to Europe to spend time there. And he tried out for a play called Victoria Regina. And it was a very well-received play in London. And that was his first real acting job, right? And I, I think when he was in high school, he may have done other acting things, you know, in and around the school. So he did this, I think he won like an award for best new actor or something. But when they sold the show to Broadway, part of the contract was that you had to do the show with Vincent. Hmm. So Vincent, you know, literally went from trying out for a part, he got it because he looked like the character, is what I've been told, right? Moved to Broadway because the people who had put the play on in London You wouldn't sell it without him going to Broadway with the play. And his first leading lady was Helen Hayes. Helen Hayes, very famous. Yes. The real grand dame of Broadway for for years. That's how he got started. And she really became not only his friend, but his mentor. So he had done done this one play. One funny story about that is... um, so the, the phrase to upstage someone? Yes. So where that came from, and this is, what, this is what Helen Hayes did to my grandfather once, right? Is that they were doing a part. And what she would do is she would slowly, so if, if they were standing side by side on the stage, so they were both looking at the audience, she would slowly move back. So he had to turn his back to the audience to continue the line. So she was upstaging him. You know, you're a rookie, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> um so he'd done this play he uh i guess uh, the studios in, in hollywood really wanted him as a leading actor and offered him at the time some absurd amount of money as a contract and he went to helen hayes and said do you think i should take this and her comment back was okay do you think you can act you've done one play do you think you know your craft and he turned down the contract, and then went up to the uh, Mercury Theater, which I think was in Rhode Island, which was Orson Welles's theater group, and that's where he met my grandmother. Oh, okay. Right. So from there, you know, he so he started off as a Broadway actor. He always loved being on stage, but after he actually got his craft, is when he started going in into movies. Right, in his first movie. Oh, I didn't realize that Sir, Service Deluxe was his first movie. Uh, and that was 1938. I found this out recently, actually, that Orson Welles' dad was very good friends with my great-grandfather, with Vincent's dad.
0: Oh, a connection.
1: Yeah, right? Excellent. So, And, and my, my grandmother was actually the one who was a true actress. She had the chops. He was still learning his. He had the face and the voice, and he learned she was re- the
0: original real actress in my family he had candy and baking soda going through yeah it. right His so, veins.
1: well yeah you know and, and and she grew up in the in theater yeah yeah right? so so from there he went to the movies i believe the first real horror movie he did that made that sort of got him into the genre was house of wax but that's sort of where he got his start in horror movies and From there, it just, it just sort of, he just sort of took off. And I think he loved, he loved the genre for a couple of reasons. One is he could get work and he was a workaholic. He wanted to work. He started making a name for himself as, you know, one of the kings of horror. You know, along with the Lon Chaney's and the Bela Lugosi's
0: and the Boris Karloff's. True. But what I noticed, there's some actors and actresses who get typecast, like very narrow typecast. But with scary or horror movies, there was a lot of opportunity to play different types of characters within that genre of scary movies. Because you, you watch Vincent Price movies, he's, he's all different characters all the time. And some of the movies are humorous. But but he's also done very serious and scary roles. Do you know whether he ever felt like he wanted to break back out of horror and do more serious work again? He he did a couple. Um, one of his last movies was um
1: The Whales of August. And that was him and Southern. And Ann Southern was the, the child of that movie. I think she was only in her mid-60s. But that was a very straight, serious role. I don't think he ever thought himself as being typecast. Like I said, Witchfinder General was a very serious role. It wasn't the same thing as, let's say, the Abominable Dr. Fibes or the, the costume movies of the Edgar Allan Poe, you know, the Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe movies, right? So he had a wide range. The studios wanted him as a leading actor. Thus, things like Service Deluxe and, and Laura were some of the early movies that he did. Because if, you know they were, he was not the star; he was a su- supporting cast. But they were really moves to try to build him up to be a leading man. And It's because he had the looks, he had the voice, he had the chops by that time. And then, you know, really the big the big break in his career was the McCarthy era, because he was gray listed. He wasn't blacklisted; he was gray listed, and he couldn't find work. Nobody
0: would would hire him. Joey, but just oh. for our listeners who may not know about the McCarthy era was a kind of a scary time because Senator Joseph McCarthy, I believe he was from Wisconsin. Yes, he was. uh, He was sort of assembling lists of people who were suspected of being communist or communist leanings or uh, what have you back in an era in the 50s when there was a lot of fear of communism and the Soviet Union and all that. And it got to the point where in Hollywood people were put on different lists that could affect whether they worked or not. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't just
0: Hollywood. It was, it was all industries. Oh, I absolutely. That, right?
1: Absolutely. Right. Yeah. In Hollywood. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, the gray list, the reason why he ended up there was that he was against Nazi Germany and was outspoken before the U S government decided to be, anti-german see, i shouldn't say german anti-hitler so back then if you were not pro-nazi you were probably pro-communist at least that's what they thought and that's how they took it so they gray listed him and he what my aunt had told me is that he actually had signed his loyalty papers in private and never said anything just so he could work again And i believe the first movie after that I think it was House of Wax was the first movie he did after he got off of McCarthy's gray list.
0: Wow. That's something else. So let's talk about your grandfather's other passions. You mentioned art. I did a little research on the side just to find out that he began an art exhibit. I guess it has turned into an art museum at a place called East Los Angeles College I saw something, it was a YouTube program that had, it actually was a, a clip from when your grandfather was still living and he was going on a tour through this art museum. A lot of it was his collection, but he, he had such a passion for art. Can you tell a little more about that? So Vincent,
1: you know, we said it earlier, Vincent started off as an art, you know, his main, his primary interest is growing up or one of his primary interests. And what he got his degree in was art history. And he, one of the things that made him so special when it came to that is that to him, art wasn't something that was for the elite. It wasn't something for for people with money. It was for everyone. Art was an every man, every person concept to him. So it wasn't about, oh, I, I, I have a million dollars. Let me go buy a Picasso to stick on my, on my wall, right? And we'll, we'll get back to that one in a minute. but So um, he had had this huge collection. He found out about the uh, East LA College and he created the Vincent Price Museum there. And it's got a lot of his collection. It was a community college, right? And and not necessarily the best part of of LA at that time. One of the reasons why he chose that is, again, back to the, it was a community college. It was something he could give back. He would lecture there. It wasn't just his name on the building. He was active with the, the art museum as well. And for him, it was one of the greatest things he ever, I think, I think if he was alive, if, he would, if, if you would ask him what his greatest thing that he did or left in this world, that's what he would say it was. Uh, that's how much he loved. And that's, it was important because again, these were not, the kids who went to that school or people who went to that school were not people of money. They weren't of wealth. They were people who were just trying to get a better life in America. And this was one of his ways of learning about that and becoming part of it and trying to do the right things for his community. To me, that's amazing, right? And then going back to the the art being for everyone, the other thing that he did was, and this was before the East LA College, he worked out a program with Sears that you could buy original art through the Sears catalog. So you could buy a Picasso, an an original Picasso, through the Sears catalog. And Vincent and his second wife, my aunt's mom, curated the whole collection. And I only found this out a couple of years ago. All the framing was done by my step-grandmother. For him, that was a really big deal. It was his way of supporting his belief that everybody should have the ability
0: to enjoy and understand and learn about art he was an art historian and an art collector art enthusiast did he do any painting or drawing of his own not that i know of
1: the only time i ever saw swimming that somebody said was his i'm pretty sure it was a phony it was at a convention and the signature on it wasn't my grandfather's <laughs> <laughs> a phony oh boy and I think the person trying to sell it to me didn't realize who he was talking to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're barking um, up the wrong tree.
1: Yeah, but doesn't that doesn't mean that he wasn't? I just I never I had never seen or or heard much about if if he actually was an artist himself outside of his acting, of course.
0: So let me ask you this, Jody: Your grandfather passed away in 1993, so he was around 81, 82 years old. Now, he had started this wonderful art collection at East L.A. College. Is that museum still there? Can people go visit that museum now?
1: Yes, it's a huge. They, they have uh, built out that museum. Last time I was there was probably 94 going to his memorial service. We went there. I think that was probably the last time I was there. And it's much bigger now. Yeah. But yes, you can still go to it. And uh, it's still, still an amazing place.
0: Uh, Jody, other than art and acting, and I'm sure many other things, your grandfather had a deep interest in cooking. Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, he was. Um, so he 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 loved to cook. He was a chef.
1: I think he him and Mary had put out three cookbooks, The Treasury of Great Recipes. It's an amazing book. So they had released three cookbooks. It was something. It was a passion of his. The thing about Vincent is for him, life was, everything was about experience. To him, life was, what can you do? What fun can we have? What travel can we do? What, what can we do to help better people? And cooking was part of that. And he managed for that cookbook to get recipes out of chefs who would never have thought about doing that ever. Because back then, you know, there were no celebrity chefs. People's recipes were theirs. Mm. And Vincent managed to get some, you know, like... Um, from, uh, from Sardis in New York you know managed to get recipes out of them or from some of the French restaurants so the cookbook one if, if you haven't seen it it's an amazing book even if you're not a chef it's an amazing book uh, two for a while it was ranked as I want to say the number three most requested out of print book
0: of any type Real? now this is the a Treasury of great recipes is that the one yeah
1: yeah ah.
0: and They re-released it about five years ago,
1: uh, the 50th anniversary of it. But for a while, when it was out of print, it was
0: highly, highly sought after. Wow, that is terrific. It's a really cool book. (laughs) Yeah, there's another book, I think, that's called Cooking Price-Wise. Yep. I saw that he did. So, So he had a passion for cooking. So of all the talents that your grandfather had, do you think, or did you ever hear of, of one specifically that rose to the top? I know you mentioned that art was his original passion and certainly he wanted to leave a legacy there of art, but do you get an idea that any one particular thing was his, his main thing that he just loved the most?
1: I think what he loved the most this is going to sound like a corny answer was life. Everything, you know, everything he did was about that. So I don't think it was any one particular thing. Is that he loved people? He loved being Vincent Price. He absolutely adored it, right? Um, and you could see it when you, when you, you know, when you saw him and you talked to him. Um, you know, he liked meeting people. He liked the experience. He enjoyed being Vincent Price. He really did, and that's not that's not like a uh, an egotistical thing, right? He he was not that by any stretch, but he love that he had the ability to experience anything and everything he could.
0: No, I do understand that because of who he was and because of his talents and the way he was able to interact with a lot of people, either through his movies or through his art programs or art museum or his cookbooks, that he was able to make an impact on the lives of people in a good way and in a fun way. And uh, just sounds like a, a really amazing guy. Now, I think you've you've sort of started to answer this question. I was going to ask you flat out. What do you think your grandfather would have wanted his legacy to be? Is is that going to be a different answer? Is it going to be sort of what you just said?
1: Probably sort of what I just said. Um, It's a great question. And and as you can tell, I'm not usually speechless. So I have to think about this one. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think... I think he would be ecstatic that people still remember who he was. I think he would be terrified about the direction that this country and some things that are going on in this world are, uh, because he really cared about people. Um, you know, there was no elitism in him whatsoever. So I I think that would be, you know, I, I think that would be some of that. And, um, you know, he liked entertaining. He was an entertainer. He loved that people laughed. You know, if, if you ever look through his his true filmography, if that's the, what you call it, right, it's not just the 105 or 110 movies. It's the TV shows. It's the Broadway. It's the audio tapes. It's the radio that he did. He, um, he was the original uh, The Saint on radio in the 40s, I believe, uh, before maybe 50s, before TV. It was things like doing uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller or Welcome to My or the Black Widow by, with Alice Cooper. So the best way to put it, when my grandfather died, there was a, an editorial in the local paper in New Jersey. And they had a quote from him. And I'll, I'm going to
0: paraphrase.
1: Quote basically says, I may not have had the best career, but nobody had more fun than I did.
0: And that's a legacy of, of really helping others, caring about others, and enjoying life along that ride, right? Yeah,
1: it's something I'll never forget. And it's true, you know. And you talk to my dad, you talk to my aunt, and they'll tell you the same thing. You know, he loved life.
0: I'm so glad that his talents have been recorded in movies that we can watch now. And uh, I'm so glad for those people who love art or are curious about art are able to go out and visit his museum out in Los Angeles. And that's terrific as well. And that, that his cookbooks are out there, but most importantly that he has family like yourself who remember him fondly, even though you didn't have a lot of interaction with him because of geography and a few other things that were going on, but he made an impact on you, which leads me to this question. How has being Vincent Price's grandson impacted the person you are today?
1: Wow oh, great question Again I might be speechless for a minute <laughs> <laughs> um one it, it's and my dad and I were talking over drinks a few weeks ago about this We come from a family of entertainers so that's one right there's a there's a legacy that, I've gotten from my dad and my grandmother and my grandfather about being an entertainer. And when I play a gig and you see somebody nodding their head to a composition of mine, it's a great feeling as you know somebody is getting something out of what you're putting out there, right? And uh, so I think that's one thing. Two, it's, it's just knowing knowing his children, right? So my, my aunt, who by the way, is my age. She's six months older than me and my dad, right? So I got a sister and a son within six months, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, knowing who they are as people and the ability to learn and to teach and to be good people and to care about others. And they both really are that. And they're two of my favorite people. And yeah, I get I'm biased, but they really are two of my favorite people. My other side of the family was just as wonderful, if not more so. They raised me when my mom died. Right. So I, I got really lucky on both sides. But, you know, it's, it's the um, it's the understanding. You know, again, we said this earlier about everybody has the right to enjoy their life. There is no such thing as elitism. And if there is, you're the one who's wrong about it. Right. Treat everybody as it's your best friend. There's a urban dictionary term called Sonder. I was at a rock and roll concert a few years ago and somebody had mentioned it. And if I remember the definition correctly, it's what if you could imagine that everybody you've met, or everybody you meet has just as a rich and important life as you do. That was Vincent. Everybody had just as, a, as rich of a life as he did, right? He never looked at anybody differently.
0: wow. What a great comment to make to wrap up this discussion. Really, how you were impacted both by your grandfather and his legacy, and certainly your dad and your aunt and other members of your family who have sort of promoted that way of thinking, and that everybody else has a story. And that's why on Your History, Your Story, we meet with such a variety of guests, some people are maybe very well-known. Some people have a story. They're not that well-known. You know, I'm not that well-known. I don't, uh, who am I, right? I'm I'm doing stories about people, but you know, I have my own story. Yeah. And everybody does. And it's, they're equally important just because one may be more publicized and out there doesn't mean it's any better than somebody else's story.
1: If you know, next time, you know, if if, uh, if you live in New Jersey, next time you go get gas, right? And somebody's filling up your gas tank. Doesn't matter race, creed, religion, gender, whatever. Mm-hmm. They have just as an important life and just as a rich life as you do. For me, and that's that's gone. And I, I, I admit, I am, and I will promise, I will shut up after this, my friend. Right? I'm blessed because both both sides of my family understood that, and I got that from both my mom and my dad and their parents. So I, for me, it's a really important thing. Is that never to forget that and to live to that ability as often and as frequently and as consistently as I can. And so back to the question: what did I
0: get from my grandfather? I got that. Yeah, that's a great thing to take away. I'm so happy that you have been able to speak with me on our show. And I'm sure our listeners have gotten some wonderful information about a terrific, talented guy coming from his talented grandson, who, I have to bring this up. You're on Zoom right now, but I can see these wonderful acoustic guitars behind you up on the wall. And you yourself, you mentioned you, you like music. You're a musician. You have a passion for it. What are you doing with your music, and how can people find out about your music? So, one, you can go to a
1: band camp which is one of the new sites that people promote music. You uh, go over NM bliss, New Mexico bliss.bandcamp.com. I've got a couple of songs up there. I'm going to start putting more up there. That's probably the best place, but yeah, music is my art. I can't act a lick. I can't take a photograph worth a lick. I can't paint worth a lick. I don't even know if I can play music worth a lick, but I try, you know, it's, it's, it's what I, it's what I love. And. It's something that you know, as, as I move you know, over the next few months, I'm gonna get back into doing much more of and start gigging again. And it's something that's just really important. And it's, it's, the, it's my ability to, it gives me an ability to express myself in a way that I can't with words. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. And I, you know but that's what I wanna do is something. And creativity of any kind is so important learning how to think outside the box and learning how not to be constrained by what you think you know, right? Who cares? Just do it. Try something, you know, throw paint on a wall and see what happens. And that, that to me is, is you know, that's, that's music for me is what, what can I get out? So yeah, so nmbliss.bandcamp.com. People can email me at uh, nmprice1347 at yahoo.com. Um, I love talking to people. I love meeting people. And, uh, you know, I'll be, if somebody wants to have a conversation, please, man, get in touch with me. I'll be more than happy to have one. <laughs> uh,
0: terrific, Jody. I want to thank you again for being on our show. And I wish you all the best with your music. And I urge people to reach out and listen to what you have to offer. And you do mostly instrumental, right? You're an instrumental guitarist. Yep, I, um, I can clear a room in 30 seconds if I try to sing. <laughs> I don't try to sing. <laughs> I'll tell you, if I sang with you, you could clear it in 15 seconds. So make sure you and I are not singing together, brother. <laughs> okay. Hey, Jody, I want to thank you again. I hope you have a great evening. Thank you so much. Okay. God okay. bless. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Your History, Your Story. You can connect with us on Facebook and YouTube at Your History, Your Story or on Instagram and Twitter at YHYSPodcast. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or a story to tell. Be well, and God bless.